Hey, 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 man. I, I heard this where I get the good stuff. Oh, yeah. You want that good stuff? Yeah, yeah no, I need a, I need a fix. It's been a week. I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't wait. No, you got it. You got it, right? Oh, man. Good content is hard to come by, but I, I got your hookup right here. Check this out. This is the Awards Radar Podcast, man. It is the sweetest content you will ever find. And guess what? It, we make it so easy for you now. It's available on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It's available on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. I ain't even heard of half of those, but we got it there. You can get it wherever. How, how much? Because I, I, I don't got much money, so I got to, like, uh, you know, help you oh, out. Oh, don't even worry. The first taste is free. But if you want to be a real homie, you go on iTunes. You leave them a five-star review. Not a four-star, three-star. People think, oh, that's all right. Give us a four-star review. Maybe even leave a little review. They might even read that review on the podcast. So I should zip back up your pants, right? Yeah, that was that was not <laughs> part of the arrangement. I think you're getting ahead of yourself there. Good, because that was I was not, was not really hoping to do that. All right, all right. Now just uh, shoot it in my veins. <laughs> the awards radar podcast injected directly into your veins. And scene. Welcome back to the Awards Radar Podcast. I'm uh, apparently podcast heroin addict Joey, and I am once again joined by uh, noted drug dealer Miles Hughes. My drug dealing days are behind me, but I still have a mountain of cocaine for emergencies. Mm. And uh, Steve? Steve's not here, man. There we go. Uh, there's a joke that nobody in our age demographic listens uh, will understand, but you know. We press on. Uh, we got a uh, we got a whole bunch of things to talk about today. I've I've a couple of games I want to play, uh, a couple of topics I want to say, and I will tease out the return of Keith Lucas next week because uh, I have seen Judas and the Black Messiah, and uh, if anyone who follows me on social media, which if you are aware of this podcast and you don't, congratulations, you're weird, um, knows that I quite like it, so he feels comfortable coming back. Um, he wanted to come back, by the way. I didn't. I didn't beg him, though. When uh, when he knew I was watching it, he did text like right as it was ending. Are, are we canceling? Until he found out that I liked it. So he uh, let's just say uh, he fared better than another Warner Brothers film I've recently seen. But I'm embargoed about talking about. Ooh, scandalous! Mm. I mean, feel free to guess, but uh, I won't say. Is it the fucking Jared Leto's a serial killer? Look how long his hair is. That movie. No, that would be an excellent no. guess. Oh, really? That would be an excellent guess. Um, considering some people are talking about it, even though the uh, invite specifically said, uh, don't say you've seen it or that you have any reaction to it and uh, embargo date to come. But uh, yeah, had I seen that movie, I, I potentially would not be a fan. Let's just say. Mm. But that's still the comment. I probably should have buried that in the uh, middle of a podcast. But, you know. I don't know that the head honchos at Warner Brothers are listening too, too carefully. And if they were, I think our drug dealing uh, advertisement scared them off. So we're listening or suck them in. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. You heard that. Um, but I did also watch Malcolm Marie uh, yesterday, as always, recording this on a Sunday. And that was quite good, though. Uh, I'm a little surprised critics like it as much as they do, because there is a uh, fairly substantial sequence where um, I guess mild spoilers to come. John David Washington's filmmaker character reads a review from a uh, fake noted film critic and just tears it to pieces. 
um, and really goes to town on 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 film criticism. Uh, so I'm surprised more people weren't like, well, fuck this movie, even though it is it is quite good. So I'm uh, I'm interested in how that's going to do. But I, I do think we uh, all the things we said last week about uh, Zendaya being a decent possibility. Uh, I only think are more likely now because she is fantastic in the movie. So I would uh, I would not bet against her taking that fourth or fifth slot at this point and then potentially doing better because of it. Right on, right on. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's get right into our question, which uh, I know this shocks you. Comes from Ryan McDermott. <gasps> there we go. Uh, yeah. Filmaholic face off. Yes, uh, these are pretty good. Big or a league of their own? It's a lot of hums here. Um, Followed by like a beating sound in the background. So whoever really likes both those movies, comment. Comment down. Um, I think I'm probably going to go with Big. I think it's a little bit more timeless. It's one that I've come back to. League of Their Own, I've only seen once. Mm-hmm. Miles doesn't believe in women playing sports. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to go with A League of Their Own. I like sports. I think it's a nice uh, feel-good movie. And, you know, it's a lot of... And there's definitely the big iconic moment in there with Hanks. Uh, but... Mm. It's it's an easy watch. I love your tentative. I like sports. Uh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, I'm going to go big. They're both very good. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the sort of notable scenes on both are both great. I kind of like that big remains a little weird when you think about it. Like as a kid, you don't really, you can just get by. I'm like, oh, he's a, a kid who's an adult. You watch it now and you're like... Uh, so is uh, is his girlfriend a pedophile? Yeah. Yeah, it seems and like she's still into it, even after she's seen him as a child. Yeah, yeah she yeah, has that. <laughs> she has a brief moment, but then it's just like, well, which was which then makes you think: was he like especially good? Like, wouldn't he have been awful? Considering what is he? He's playing like twelve, right? That's one Something of the movies like that, that. Yeah, about twelve. So that's one it, of the movies it, that and, my and kids keep asking me to watch, and I don't watch it for that reason because i'm like that gets into i think i think i think they won't notice i think you you have to be you have to have the adult mindset to be like oh they definitely banged you know because he even says like "Ooh, sleepover and then has a smile like it's subtle enough that you can be like oh he must really like his job (laughs) because you know he's 12 in the 80s he's not watching like porn he doesn't know what he's doing i'm sure i believe that he had a good time i don't believe she did yeah, like, I don't know. He struck me as, like, a very wholesome kid. Well, everyone's got their dark secrets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, I'll pin that, pin that thought, because a uh, segment later may involve this now. Oh, <laughs> um, as we move on to the next uh, face-off, I think you'll understand the theme. Philadelphia or Forrest Gump? Philadelphia, 100%. Great movie. Super underrated. Yes. Uh, I like sports. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean there there is sports in Forrest Gump. There is, so I'm going Forrest Gump. No, I, it, uh, you know, Forrest Gump gets it's piled on a lot now, but again, it's I haven't showed it to the family, but I think, I think it'll hold up. You know, what do you think? Do you think it's going to be something that 
generations will like, or is it going to kind of lose its luster? Mostly lose its luster. I think it'll still be like charming, but I think it'll be looked at in a way that I'm trying to think of like, what was a really popular like Oscar winner from the fifties, you know, that you're just not going to come back to. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but it has that vibe where you're like, oh, I get why this was all the rage, but you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not like racing to put it on. I'm, you know, I don't have an example in my head, so I don't want to, I don't want to like come up with the wrong thing. But yeah, that Forrest Gump being as popular as it was at the time was sort of its own worst enemy. Because now you see like the sort of film Twitter generation come to it and, and be less a fan. Like, I don't find it to be a bad movie, but I know how many flaws it has. And it has uh, quite a bit. And Philadelphia is a great movie. And uh, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia is one of my, uh, like, top five performances of all time. So I'm I'm definitely going there. Well, I like sports. Well, <laughs> well you, you do. Well, unfortunately, there's no sports in the next one. So you're going to have to you're going to have to move on. Apollo 13 or Castaway? Okay, that's a bit tougher. Yeah. It's pretty close to a tie for me, I gotta say. Yeah, they're pretty neck and neck. I think I would go Apollo 13, because I think the ending of Castaway kind of drags on for a little bit. Um, Like, the best stuff is when he's still on the island, and then the stuff afterwards, I kind of lose interest. Whereas Apollo 13, I feel like, is pretty gripping throughout. Fair. Let's try this. There's no ties in face-off. <laughs> uh, mm. Time left. That's a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's the type of content we hear. I, I needed to tie sports in somehow. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to go for the same reason, uh, Apollo 13. But the, the stuff on the island with Castaway is, is tremendous, but the uh, yeah the later quarter is it, it doesn't stick the landing really. Right. <laughs> I like I like a lot of the ending, but yeah, it's not as consistently interesting. I do love the uh, the visual of him looking at like the platter of food put out for him, like the already cracked crab uh, claw. I thought that part was very good. Just like, oh, yeah, this would have taken me a week to eat, and this is just gonna get thrown out. Like, great, I feel so happy about this. Uh, I am going Apollo thirteen though. It's on a lot recently. And it's, it's kind of easy to have in the middle of. I like a lot of its sort of, uh, not throwaway moments, but just, I think it's underrated in, in its uh, its screenplay. You know, granted, a lot of it is, is you know, based on fact, but um, I don't know. Your mind gets captured by, we need to make this fit into this using just this. I, don't know, I like smart people being smart in movies, and uh, this is a good example of that. The next one, Toy Story or Toy Story 2? Simple, Toy Story. Until they came up with the fourth one, Toy Story 2 was my least favorite of the series. So Toy Story all the way. I'm going to say Toy Story 2, actually. I I think until, I think the first three, each one kind of gets better as it goes along. Uh, Four is good, but it's not quite up there with three. But two for me, I don't know. It's just got a little extra something. I like the whole subplot about, you know, the toy collector and sort of that whole side of the universe that you wouldn't have even thought about from the first movie. I like the whole dynamic with the fake buzz and Emperor Zerg and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's got a lot of charm to it. I went back to it recently and found it better than I remembered it being. Yeah. 
See, I felt that they tried to cram it a little too much. That was my issue with it. It's fair. You know, the, the cowgirl and... And I'm mm. also not a fan of country music, so once they hit the uh, that country song about Will You Woody's Love Roundup Me, or whatever, order. I was like, Ugh. That's not a country song, When Somebody Loved Me. It's a Sarah McLachlan-like ballad. It's also the best moment of the movie. And she had a cowboy hat on. It was a country song. Well, there was the, and it's time for Sheriff Woody. Like, that whole thing's a country yeah, song. That's sure. way closer to a country song. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm on Miles' uh, side. I do think until four, they each got better. But, I mean, you're splitting... Uh, you're splitting hairs between one and two. Three is the best. Yeah. I'm going to go two ever yeah, so slightly. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, See, road one, to one predi- two, or sorry, one and three go together. I'm sorry. One and three go together well, and you can take two out and it doesn't matter. And I think, you know, that's why it feels like four. It feels kind of like an add-on that isn't all that important to, you know, the, the story or the characters. Um, you, but, you hippie purist. But the way they start the story with Andy and, and end it with Andy handing off the dolls to, I forget what Bye. her name is, is perfection. Yeah. Goodbye to. Spoilers. I didn't use any names purposely because I can't remember them. Yes. That's that's an excellent reason, you you hippie purist, you. Uh, Road to Perdition or Catch <laughs> Me If You Can? Okay. I'm actually going to come out strong on this one. Catch Me If You Can is a great movie, but something about Road to Perdition just hits a chord with me. It's visually stunning. It's Hank's in a different register than we usually see him. Uh, Jude Law is so fucking creepy in it. Paul Newman giving, I think it's his last performance or one of his last performances. Um, I don't know. Just everything about that movie sings for me and a pre-bond Daniel Craig on top of everything. Yeah. Yeah, Catch Me If You Can is is very watchable, but Road to Perdition is is beautiful. The cinematography, the scene with the you know the rain and the dark. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, you can pause it and really print a frame of it, put it on a on a gallery wall. So well done. Yeah. All right, uh, I'm gonna go Catch Me If You Can. I like uh, I like Road to Perdition, but Catch Me If You Can is a is an easier rewatch. So I'll use that as a uh, break even point. But you know, both very good. No huge complaints either way. Captain Phillips or Sully? I never saw Sully, so Captain Phillips by default, but it is good. I'm not mad at it. Hmm. I'll go Sully. My wife works in the airlines, so anything that takes place on a plane uh, rings very true to me because she tells me all the reasons they're accurate or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Plus, that's why United, was it United 93? Um, Yeah. I, I would not let her watch it, and I could not watch it again because it was it really shook me. Um, mm. And Sully, you know, affected me probably more than others because I imagine her being on that plane. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, and I and I think Sully gets gets some heat um, as lesser Hanks, and and I think it's a good film though. I think it holds up. It's actually one of the better Eastwood movies of late, so I like Sully quite a bit. Yeah. Sure. Captain Phillips is better, um, and I'm actually going to add in a uh, a new one right now, just because now you've made me think of it. The Terminal. How about The Terminal or uh, or Turner and Hooch? I'm not going to lie. I unironically love The Terminal. Uh, Same. I, I've heard so much hate against it over the years, and I've never understood it. I think it's just, it's simple, it's, it's charming, it's delightful. Yeah. Yeah, The Terminal. I haven't uh, watched Turner uh, Hooch in 10 years, 20 years, probably. I'm going to go Turner Hooch just because I adore Turner and Hooch. I can quote you the entire movie. But yes, the Terminal is also a, like, Capra-esque. Oh, no, I can do the entire, like, you know, uh, thing he does. No barking. 
No running in hat. We no playing of my records. You will not hide from me. Opens the door. He sees the dog. This is not your room. No, I can do all that. And every time, are you? Is that because you're a big? Is that because you're a big dog? No, I didn't have a dog when I was a kid and watched it. No, just it was on TV and I loved it. Yep. Same reason I. F- I'm just curious. Yeah. No, same reason I fell in love with, like Iron Eagle, like just like things that played on like Channel Eleven on like a Saturday afternoon. They hit me. Um, I still I still quote Turner and Hooch when people uh, talk about like looking for like money or you know yeah find me some money too Hooch uh, because you know I'm poor. All right, next one. Bridge of Spies or the Post? Um, I didn't care for the Post. It's one of those films that you watch and then I instantly forgot about. And I tried to watch it again, and I just never got into it. So I'm going to go Bridge of Spies just for that reason. Um, yeah, I'd probably lean Bridge of Spies too. It's written by the Coen brothers. And so there's a sharpness to the dialogue that you don't often see in what you think of as like Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks spy movie. Um, I I didn't mind the post, but I'll agree that I haven't thought about it much since I've seen it. I kind of want to hear your pitch for Bridge of Spies too now. So maybe think about that. Um, I'm going to go to the post. They're both forgettable, but well done. The best part of Bridge of Spies to me is Mark Rylance, you know, could it hurt? Um, you know, would it hurt? That's a that's a solid uh, response to everything. I, I do love the ending of the post. You know, well, thank God we're done with this. This will never happen again. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was an excellent coda. Uh, let's see. Saving Mr. Banks or A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I have not seen Beautiful Day, so I will go with Saving Mr. Banks, which I actually did enjoy, though. You have homework. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks is fine. It's Disney masturbating. It's Walt Disney, like, it's the ghost of Walt Disney jizzing on himself. Um, though I will say his, uh, his like, uh, getting real with her scene is quite good. But the rest of the movie is like, yeah, look, Disney, the Sherman Brothers. I, I wasn't, like, wild about it. Uh, Beautiful Neighborhood is, is perfect. It's an amazing movie. Uh, rest in peace to uh, Fred Rogers' wife. Yeah, and, she just uh, passed recently. She oh. did, and she's in the movie. Yeah, she is. Yeah, the whole family is. Uh, here, his uh, follow-up question is, the best musical moment of 2020? Um, I don't know music, so that's going to uh, limit my my uh, like pop music type response, so I'm going to have to go just with movies, which I, uh, I think is the attent- intent. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... Uh, Stars are blind. Paris Hilton, promising young woman. That uh, scene in the pharmacy. Nice choice. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna go with remind myself I thought, what songs were in movies last year. I thought yeah. you were gonna go with Toxic from the same movie. Either one, but I, there's something about the 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 uh, the back and forth there. Which, uh, if you go on awards radar and listen to my interview with Carrie Mulligan. She uh, talks about how that was, I believe, like the second day of filming. So they that was their bonding scene of just like, oh, I guess we're learning a Paris Hilton song. And uh, and apparently the uh, she said that Bo Burnham, which is very funny. And uh, in the montage scene. His dialogue, you know, the dialogue you'll never hear that you just need their mouth to be moving for He's basically saying her, this is a this is a montage dialogue that nobody's going to hear. Just like cracking her up with with very enjoyable (laughs) things like that. So I I got a kick out of that. And if you go listen, you can get a kick out of it as well. 
But uh, who else? Who's got a? It's got another pick, perhaps not from promising a woman. Um, I like uh, the rocket to the moon. Yeah. Sequence in in over the moon, I thought was really nice. Uh, really well done, kind of Broadway style, and the way they connected so much of who she was, and a mm-hmm. smart, you know, a smart girl who's into science, yeah, yeah, yeah. and didn't beat you over the head with it, but just made it like this is what it is. I keep bringing up my kids this time around, but I don't like having to try to teach them girls are as good. No, they just are. So when they hear someone say something that's like they watch older films and they go, that was rude. I go, yeah, exactly. They're encouraged to like science and, and geeky things and you know, whatever they wanted, like they like, but um, this, I thought they had a really good balance there to be encouraging of kids enjoying things that don't didn't typically fit into that grouping plus the music is great the animation's fantastic i think after that point in the movie though it does kind of fall apart uh, a little bit but that sequence is is one of my favorite of the year we get it you've had unprotected sex that's it oh oh, i was like wait what what are you talking about the rock yeah you you went on a little you went a little longer than i was hoping for for my joke yes oh sorry but we got there we got there. I thought you were right. going somewhere well, else with the rocket to the moon. Oh, I mean, listen, what you call it is what you call it. Suddenly, we have to hit the explicit button. Yeah. Yep. Well, we, we had to uh, months ago. Miles? Yeah. Um, so I've got one that's not going to be on anybody else's list, but it hit a chord with me very specifically. Um, and that is um, the soundtrack to Bad Education mm. just hits just the sweet spot for me of like, early 2000s pop music Um, specifically there's a song from Moby near the end of the film um, when he's sort of essentially you know without spoiling anything when the crows are chickens are coming home to roost for him Um, crows are coming home to roost crows too chickens crows whatever birds he can find Um, and then also one of my favorite movie moments of the year was during the credits for that movie when me and my girlfriend simultaneously realized that we both know all the words to white flag by Dido. Mm. So that was a nice little bonding moment. So yeah, I'm going to go the soundtrack of bad education. That's, that's I also give the same response and be like, we get it. You've had unprotected sex, <laughs> but so uh, Moby. Yes. Well, that's a, that's a flex. Uh, I was going to jokingly say, so wasn't your pick uh, going to be Wuhan flu? You know, from all your political diatribes? No, Joseph, because as we've established, <laughs> this is a narrative that you are putting on to me and not one that I am interested in reinforcing. Have Have the last, uh, like, six years not taught you that if you say things, it's just true? No, they've taught me the opposite of that. Uh, I think you were watching the wrong movie. Well, I'm happy to be watching the wrong movie. Yes, likewise. Um, all right, I want to. I want to get into actually jumping off of that. I'm going to tell you guys a story because I want to. I want to basically be told I'm right. So uh, you know, why else own a website in the podcast? Uh, I was uh, having a conversation yesterday that made me think of a, another conversation where I was uh, talking to someone I had uh, met on a dating app. This is not going where you think it's going to go, readers. Don't worry, listeners. Whatever. And uh, we were talking about movies and then uh, TV shows. And uh, I had said something about, I don't watch much television. 
and the person had said they uh, they like to fall asleep to you know like shows they've seen already you know friends and how i met your mother and things like that and i was like oh i've seen those two you know two of the rare shows i've watched every episode of and then they said uh big bang theory too and i said i've also seen every episode of that though it's you know not good or at least comparative to that and they're like oh no it's great was their response and i was like well no it's it's funny, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't good. It was a guilty pleasure. It's like, no, it's one of the most popular shows on television. And this started a uh, like very long debate slash argument slash me being incredibly frustrated as they repeatedly told me that basically good means popular and vice versa. And uh, I, I, you know, tried to explain that by that virtue you know, the best picture Oscar should go to the highest grossing film of the year and the Emmy for best drama should just go to whatever had the highest rating. So, you know, was it Blue Bloods won the Emmy last year, I guess? And uh, this kind of thing went, went back and forth. And I was, you know, told that, uh, you know, if it's not a good product, it doesn't sell. And I responded that, you know, the Kardashians are massively popular. They're not good. And she also disagreed with that. That was a whole other issue. But you know, my, my other example was a McDonald's hamburger is the most popular burger. Is it the best burger? McDonald's is the most popular, you know, more people have a McDonald's dinner on the planet than any, any other meal. Is that make it a great meal? I would think most people would, would say no. So I, I basically just want to hear from you guys uh, how you can prove that good and popular are two different things, because this was falling on deaf ears at like four o'clock in the morning once upon a time. Well, I think if somebody and it sounds like this is the case with the person you were talking to, um, if they're kind of set in their opinion, then there isn't really an avenue to um, convince them otherwise. I would just say, look at the mass popularity of the Transformers films and leave it at that. Oh, no, she liked those, too. I'm not even joking. That was yeah, that was then, one of then these. There's no there's no ledge to grab onto here. She's she's going to think what she's going to think. Uh, specific, specifically, the Shia LaBeouf Megan Fox pairing was was oh, popular for her. That seems to be the trend, though nowadays. Well, the only thing yeah. I agree with is that somehow, you know, against all logic, I probably do like them better than the Mark Wahlberg ones. I I have luckily checked out. Um, the only good one is Bumblebee. That's fair. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, I just say that ten tends to be the trend right now with the people living in their own well, reality. And I think my it it it's, I, it's my, my big frustration here was I was I, saying I well, you're, you're, it, at, but at the most compromising I could be was okay, that's your opinion. And the response was uh, no, it's a fact. Because they made a which lot of money. I, I can't with that. World that because by that virtue, I mine are facts too. So you want to show me the ratings for. Keeping up with the Kardashians, I'll show you the 20% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. They're both equally as valid by that token. So you can't uh, you can't take one. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's really odd. Yeah. You know, another comparison are beers. Uh, you know, if the top selling beer for decades had been Budweiser um, in the last five years, if you're a beer person, uh, beer lover, they have craft breweries every 
10, 15, 20 miles across this country that make a hell of a lot better beer than Budweiser does. But Budweiser distributes across the globe. I like So they sell I more, like but like they help by no, no, in no way, shape, or form is that a better beer than some of the beers oh. you get at, at a local craft brewery. So probably. You know, I don't know. Uh, I like that someone's now thinking, ooh, there must be a Yoohoo beer. No, I, I equal quality. I don't it I don't really drink, money, so I like Yoohoo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I <laughs> we could go on and on I like about this, but I, I needed to get it off my probably, chest because it, it like probably does exist. Annoyed me and reminded me of being annoyed at that other conversation. So I uh, I basically knew my opinion would be confirmed here, and that's uh, why I did it. So yeah, it's a real nice echo chamber you've set up for yourself. Listen, everyone else gets to do it in this world. Why can't I? Just once, I want to. I want yes. I want some yes men. Uh, all right. Now, uh, the other thing I wanted to do was to play a little game. And, uh, yes. So this game, yeah. I want you both to imagine that you are filmmakers. I, uh, I, I. Oh, God. Steve, let me really stretch my imagination here. Yes. All right. So, you know what? Steve can go first. Well, Miles has to get into the mindset. Steve, your, yes. uh, your, your erotic fiction that you secretly wrote became a huge hit. You know, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey style. You, uh, you've been brought in to Netflix, and they would like to uh, work with you. Oh, no, and, uh, please. They asked you to pitch your, your dream project, and you did. They were not interested, though. However, they would like you to uh, do some script work for them and maybe uh, rewrite a film or... You know, maybe maybe take a stab at some of their projects they're developing that they're a little stuck on. So uh, they will want, want you to give sort of an elevator pitch, all right? So they want you to pitch them the sequel, okay? So the sequel to Juno. And go. And go. Oof. Remember, you're in a you're in a like big oak meeting room, like all the powers to be. Like Ted Sarandos is like tapping his finger. So uh, time is money. Com- complete, completely natural. Yeah, 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 this is this is where I work well. Uh, I, I, this is where the magic happens. Uh, my God, security's coming to escort you out. Can I get it out quick? <laughs> I'm about ready. I'm about ready to hand uh, to put my hand out and and you know. Here, grab me and, and pull me out, please. Um, yeah. I, dude, I'm I'm blanking. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's removed from Netflix. Juno, Juno two. She, I'm just trying to think where it all ended. I mean, uh, she gave the baby away, and she was with uh, Michael Sarah. So literally anywhere you want to go. <laughs> See, the problem is, is now you have the whole, you know, not the whole, but she, she, um, he is now Elliot. So, well, maybe that could be incorporated in. Well, that's okay, Miles. You can help. Step in. Yeah, I also want to be. I want. I don't want to be a jerk, and if I'm careful with what I say, because what I do say will probably come out wrong, and then. Yeah. um, Okay. As as they're removing you. Sorry. Yeah, we we get to cut this out. They they offer you. No, no, this this isn't. Um, They offer you a second chance. Please. They got another script. All right. They got title. They don't really have a script. They've thrown the script out. Can you give us your pitch for uh, Red Dawn 2, Red Dusk? (laughs) 
Miles, can you help me out here? <laughs> you need a ghost. You need a ghostwriter. Hold on. What just happened to the thread there? Um, <laughs> okay, Red Dusk. Um, it's the same movie, but this time China invades. Done. <laughs> you know, Juno too. Right. She gets pregnant again. But this yeah. time she wants to keep the baby. What? <laughs> Produced by Pure Flix. Exactly. <laughs> See, this is not hard. <laughs> no, Juno too. This time she she gets pregnant. She gets on gets on a train to go to New York City with her friend, and they uh, work it work it out. I don't know. <laughs> there, here you. They heard you like sports, so they uh, oh they recently I like they. Re- yeah, they recently bought uh, that uh, Anabod and Ryan Fleck movie, Sugar. You know, really great indie film about a uh, young Dominican man trying to make it in uh, in baseball. But they're looking to make a franchise out of it. So uh, they want you to do the sequel, Spice. Let's go. What is it about? <laughs> You're so bad at this. It's phenomenal. <laughs> this is horrible. This is not. See, this I, is I, easy. Come I on, you just a, go. I sit down with a piece of paper and I write things down, and then I build my thoughts around it. I don't. Uh, usually... This is. This is. It's not hard. You just pick. You just. It's a Japanese player this time getting getting brought in. Same movie. That way you can build the cinematic universe, and you have sugar versus sugar and spice. You have the sequel. There you go. Kong versus Godzilla. Who, who's on, in the original? Who's in sugar? Um, the actor's a no name. Well, I'm sure he, he doesn't feel that way. Yeah, well, I mean, if you vamp, I'll tell you exactly who he is and what he's done since. Or remain perfectly silent. All right, it's uh it's Baby Spice uh and it's a it's a women's league. Uh actually no, she's the first one to to make her way into the uh, break the barrier and and enter men's league. Uh okay. baseball. <laughs> yes. And it's Al Hennis Alhenis Perez Soto, who uh, actually was at last in uh, Captain Marvel. So there you go. Oh, there you go. I don't know who Atlas is. I assume it's one of the Kree soldier goons. That, w- that is uh, He's probably buried in blue makeup or something. Yeah, yeah. So Sugar was his first film. And then that was 2008. And then in 2017, he was in Samba. 2018, Broken Guy. 2019, Captain Marvel. And that's it. So I... I no disrespect, but I'm gonna go with no name still. All right, here we'll we'll get. I'll give you a break, Steve. Miles, your uh, thank you. Your your noted work with Kevin Spacey has got you a meeting with uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Okay, so we're living in a bizarro version of the real world. Got it. Yes, yeah. So you're you're you've been brought into Disney Plus HQ. They are uh, very eager to work with you. They think you're the the. They think you're the next Vincent Gallo. Great. <laughs> Just what I've always wanted to hear. <laughs> Which is even better considering, do you know there's recent Vincent Gallo news? I didn't realize there had been any Vincent Gallo news in the last like 10 years. Oh, you won't like it. But yes, uh, he uh, he tweeted like a couple days ago how Trump's the best president we've ever had. So it tracks. Oh, it tracks really? for Vincent Gallo. Great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Uh, there he is, just staying, staying on the finger on the pulse. Oh no, he uh, he is staying the course. So yes, so Kathleen Kennedy wants to work with you, and uh, she really wants to to get you started on on some work, and she wants you to handle the uh, Mandalorian spinoff series Queel, uh, 
And all they have so far is the tagline for the poster, which is, I have spoken. Give me your pitch. Okay. Okay. So, Quill is an Ugnaught, and Ugnaughts uh, in Star Wars, uh, most well known for the quick scene in Empire Strikes Back, where they're playing around with C-3PO's dismembered parts. What you don't know is Quill actually was one of those Ugnaughts in the original film, and this is a prequel series about he and Chewbacca single-handedly put C-3PO back together through just painstaking, you know, trial and error, him trying to speak to the Wookiee, but not speaking Wookiee, the Wookiee trying to speak to him, but not speaking, is it English? I guess he speaks English or Ugnaught or whatever. Uh, mm. And um, yeah, just uh, just wacky hijinks with uh, young Quill, uh, still played by Nick Nolte, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, maybe there's an Imperial officer who occasionally checks in on them and Chewbacca has to hide. And the officer is played actually by like in the flesh, Nick Nolte, just to give him a little more expanded role. And it's just a wacky sitcom of the two of them trying to put this droid back together. Mm. Midway through, I thought it was gonna be very serious. Like them, like struggling to communicate while working on this impossible project. I was like, Ooh, so we get Shane Carruth to direct this, right? Just make primer in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and it's all like technological, like psychobabble. It's all accurate. It's all accurate. No, it's, it's probably a bit closer to the holiday special. Okay, I have an idea. All right. I finally have a pitch. Can I can I break down the door and show up at this pitch meeting? So it's it's Nick Nolte, right? Mm-hmm. And the uh, Ugnaughts, I think, actually are better known for uh, the ones who froze or whatever you do with, with carbonite, Han Solo. So it could be a film about Quill's guilt. Of his family, um, like maybe his father's uh, involvement with uh, the freezing or what do you call it? Is it freezing? Carbon freezing? Frozen and carbonite? Carbon freezing, yeah. yeah. Carbon freezing of Han Solo, which t- causes him to uh, have a, a terrible uh, drinking problem, which leads into a, like a leaving Las Vegas type story with Quill drinking mm. himself to death. And he could go to the uh, casino planet from Last Jedi and tie that. Oh, in as well. There you go. Are you kidding me? It it it, it wrote itself. There you go. And then there we get go. a cameo right. from uh, from a de-aged uh, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, and they finally get to bury the hatchet. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Did you say Nicholas Cage or Nick Nolte? When? We'll get them both in. I mean, Nicholas Cage can be in there. I'm not mad at that. But Nick Nolte oh. played Quill in The Mandalorian. <laughs> Shit! I just totally screwed up that pitch. Um, no, it works yeah. for me. It works for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, like where it was I mean, that's Netflix. Not, Netflix has that. Mine. I mean, Netflix has that Nicolas Cage show. So they they go down the hall and they grab him from set and go, "Hey, do you want to be in this?" Nic- and he says, "Nicolas yes, Cage is like. Nicolas Cage is the alien who owns the casino planet." Done. Mm. There you go. Nicolas Cage right. is Nick Nolte as Quill. Yes. All right. So they 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 potentially want to put that one in development. They uh, they go to next that next on the list. All right. They don't have anything. This is this is a pure, pure start from scratch. But they they have set a release date, so you're you're kind of locked in on this one. Okay. We need you to do the uh, Dexter Jetster series. Oh God! And what's the release date? <laughs> Next year. Well, do we know when? Because that might help me. Uh, International Food Day. I don't know. International Food Day. Okay, no, that's good. We'll tie into that. So Dexter Jetster, he's looking to upgrade his menu. You know, the 50s diner retros- or aesthetic. It's looking a little, you know, passe nowadays. So he's looking to get a more international um, uh, sort of food palette. You know, maybe expand his diner into more of a chain. So um, it's sort of this, uh, this sort of business show of him going around and getting financiers and trying to build up his business. 
and, uh, you know, become the biggest chain in the galaxy by any means necessary. And so it's what's space, your, what's it's your... space good fellas, but about food. What? So he's Anthony Bourdain in this all of a sudden. Sure. Sure. All right. Just traveling around. What's uh, what's the title? Jet stirring around. <laughs> I don't know. Someone shoot you in the head for that one. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you didn't know that Disney murders people. All right. Steve, you want they somehow invite you back. They uh oh, please don't. <laughs> they 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 strap you down uh clockwork orange style so you can't escape. That's how I eat my lunch. Yeah. Well, they do they do give you a nice spread there at, at Netflix, so don't worry. Mm, nice. And uh they want you to uh they want you to do another Alfie. All right? They think, what's more timely than a man who has a lot of unprotected sex? Um, so what is your, what's your pitch there? I'm glad I don't have this one. Well, yeah, I to say, why do I get these these 20-year-old obscure, more obscure films? Do you want the actual so answer? Disney. The actual answer is I prepared uh, the two ones for Miles, and I'm looking at my DVD collection while I talk to you and coming up with them on the fly. Elfie. Ah, yes, the old Elfie conversation comes up again. Oh, jeez. Um, well, you can go Jude two Law? ways with That's this. question. Okay, you have two options. You can do Alfie's sequel, where Jude Law is now middle-aged, or you can do the Alfie sequel where Michael Caine is a crotchety old man, still trying to put it in everyone. Or you can do the prequel, where he's a young horn dog at boarding school or something like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Here you go. Here you go. Miles Teller plays his son. And he's going down the same dark path that he used to be on. And he's trying to American History X style sort of avoid him, you know, getting all the STDs that he's now crippled with. Oh, what is that movie? The, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was going to say it should be something about him suffering through terrible as he's trying to teach uh, Miles about the uh, the ways of, of a man in the 20th 21st century uh he's also suffering from severe like herpes and, and chlamydia like yeah just think but physical uh representations of all his past sins mm. maybe they're gonna do it as a series i think so like in season two his penis falls off i got where you're going yeah. i get you i was thinking kind of like all the right. fly you know like when the fly's deteriorating and, and yeah yeah like, and his body's just like falling off one piece at a time and he's like, Miles, yeah, so, or whatever like Miles' character's name is, he's like, come here, look, I'll tell you what to do. And he's like, you're grossing me out. Here, and here's your ear. <laughs> he just basically looks like uh, the the degenerate-looking uh, hormone monster in Big Mouth, the old man. Oh, yeah. There yeah. you go, yeah. He's actually <laughs> played him. by Get Nick Kroll doing that voice. Totally. Th- there you go, the Netflix crossover. Rare baby fucker. Get, um, <laughs> get Brandon Cronenberg on the phone. We got something here. Exactly. All From right, now on, Miles. when I watch Big uh, Big Mouth, that's what I'm going to imagine. Yes, Miles. While you're in Netflix, they they want to pitch you. Uh, they want you to do a uh, a movie about the making of a movie. You know how popular they are. I do. You know, they they heard they heard about Affleck doing the making of uh, of Chinatown, and they want to beat him to the punch. So they need a quick one. So they want you to do uh, like not the Disaster Artist, but they want you to to go right there, knowing how much you would have loved to have made the Disaster Artist. Uh, they would like you to do the making of the Brown Bunny. I got nothing here. I haven't seen the Brown Bunny. <laughs> you know the one scene they care about. 
I kind of don't. <laughs> like I, prob- oh, you don't know- I probably did as a young, you know, film student, but that knowledge has left my mind in favor. Of oh, the there's a, trivia. there's a, there's an extended scene in which uh, Chloe Seventy performs uh, unsimulated oral sex on Vincent Gallo. Okay, so the entire film takes place in the day of that shoot. And it's all okay. about uh, her sort of building up to being able to do it. It's about the legal team coming in, being like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. Vincent Gallo's like, no, my art. <laughs> and then his ear Vincent falls Sa- off. Vincent Gallo is a Muppet in this version or something. Okay, I, I can work with that. But uh, across, So it's going to be one of those. Um, Chloe Sevigny is the only human. Every other character is played by a Muppet. So she's playing herself in this movie? Yes. Okay. <laughs> However many years ago. All right. All right. Not bad. This does remind me of trauma, but surrounded by puppets. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely good for her mental health. Does Melissa McCarthy show up? I will not have you uh, speak ill of uh, the Happy Time Murders. I like that movie. (laughs) Oh, did you? Wait, you do? I did. I did. Like, like unironically. Now it's on record. I mean, not unironically, but in a vaguely guilty pleasure way. Joey, that's almost as embarrassing as working with Kevin Spacey. No, it's not. A couple of positive reviews there spread out. I'm actually curious now. I'm I'm pulling this up. I'll tell you a story about that real quick as I do it. Um, so uh, when you go to a uh, a press screening, you know every so often there'll be a, like a ticket they'll give you for a popcorn and a soda. And uh, this one, they had a voucher for you to have as much of anything and whatever you want from the uh, concession stand. Which was about as well thought out as you would think, because it just led to a deluge of uh, well-fed film critics just, like, going to town on everything. It's the only time I've ever had, like, uh, chicken and waffles from a movie theater. So I was like, it's free? Sure, let's go. <laughs> and, and listen, only 76% of critics hated this movie. I'm apparently one of uh, 58 positive reviews. Out of what's the total? Uh, I'm 75 percent negative, so uh, there were uh, 187 many, rotten. Okay. You, you wonder if, if uh, overloading yourself on uh, movie theater concessions affected. No, the answer is I. The answer is I like puppets and uh, and dirty comedy. So the combination was always going to work. He and chicken he jizzes, and waffles. He jizzes confetti. Like silly string. How is that not funny? That's just comedy. I'm turning into Larry the Cable You're Guy. Fan of, just, big fan of Crank Yankers back in the day, were you? I did enjoy Crank Yankers. Yeah. Now I'm just turning into uh, Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, that's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> but yes, um, back before the uh, the Happy Time Murders, um, Steve, you were saying something about puppets because of uh, Miles's pitch. I don't recall, was I? No, I, I just said uh, Melissa McCarthy. That's about it. Mm, yes. I was going to say, there, this, right? this does remind me of a of an amusing story Kevin Smith recently told. So uh, he's currently working with Netflix. They're doing the uh, Masters of the Universe uh, sequel series, which I... Uh, oh, yeah. The one that literally nobody asked for. Go on. I mean, apparently Masters <laughs> of the Universe asked for. Because they... Uh, appara- so apparently that's like a, like a thing. Like, I'm not a Masters of the Universe person, but... They have their own, like, convention, PowerCon, and all that nonsense. So, apparently this is more asked for than we thought. Wow. You know, maybe not what I wish he would be doing, but whatever. Um, he told the story of 
So uh, this is the first time he's like gotten something to, to work with them because they came to him. So pitching hasn't gone well for a while. And he thinks he's like, I'm pretty sure it's not the case. But he's like, the very first time I went in, this was years ago. And uh, they, I think they wanted to pitch him on something. But he said, I was very high. And this was right when they were starting to do their own content. You know, Netflix was at the time first, uh, you know, what was the first uh, original movie they did? I don't remember what it was, but like like House of Cards was the was like the first show, right? Right, like the original show. So it was House of Cards, you know, Beasts of No Nation, like that era. And uh, he said, "I was, I was mostly just curious about like, oh, you think that's gonna work? Huh? Mm. Like, oh, so so why do you think this is a good idea? Like, apparently, just sort of vaguely interrogated them about their their business model, and then left. And his agent was like, "What what happened there?" So. I imagine this being close to the quality of what would happen uh, with, like, Steve, for example. Why, why do you want me here? You're, you want to give me money to make this show? And you think that's a good idea? All right. Good I was actually role-playing. Yeah, yeah. All right, Steve, they got another one for you. Oh, brother. They got two. They got two. They, uh, they, want, you to, uh, they want you to do a uh, spinoff of Jacob's Ladder about different tools. So we, we need like, you know, uh, but they wanted, they wanted gender swap. The zeitgeist with some of these movies. Yeah. So they want, they want Jesse talk about Jacob's ladder in the last decade. Dave's not here, man. Listen, it's a trend. Listen, I'm really going by the, uh, the, the, the like 12 DVDs that are like in my eyeline right now. So (laughs) your options are limited. In fact, I'll tell you what your options are. Your options are V for Vendetta, which is going to be the next one. We need uh, another letter. Because we want to do the universe, Game Six, the uh, Michael Keaton uh, Robert Downey Jr. movie, Closer, Alfie, About a Boy, Jacob's Ladder, Frailty, A Simple Plan, Hitch, Ten Things I Hate About You, Less Than Zero, and The Ice Storm. So I think I picked pretty well, considering. Oh yeah, well uh, let's uh, continue the the puppet. Ooh, okay. And it, this is it's called Gary's Hammer. And it is the and it's character. A pornography. No, it, it is not. It is. It is about. <laughs> that would be gross. Uh, it's Gary, played by uh, Jason Siegel from the Muppets, uh, the last movie, and he has uh, started a construction company, and uh, he's on hard times after Walter leaves him with his. I don't know if you saw the. Uh, the uh, I know you have, but the. <laughs> I'm not sure how familiar people are going to be with Jacob's Ladder. And the Muppets, but uh, intimately with both. There's a nice little sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a crossover there somewhere. Uh, and he's seeing uh, weird uh, psychotic imagery as he builds, which leads him to build uh, some kind of altar to uh, to the uh, the character uh, Christian Milioti from uh, How I Met Your Mother. There you go. I have no idea. It started off okay, and it went to it, it went to shit really quickly. Okay, all right, could be worse. Um, not not terrible. No, I, I don't say. think so. Um, I, this is the, I mean, you're a little late because I spoke to Jason Siegel on Friday for uh, his upcoming uh-huh. movie, Our Friend. So I could have pitched him on this. Yeah, you you need it, it has to go somewhere. That's the problem. I mean, we could have gone anywhere with that conversation because we started with me getting on camera and him talking about my Simpsons T-shirt. So we uh, this would have been the thing to do. Um, all right. Miles. How great is he to talk to? 
Mm. Oh, he was always, he's the second time I've, I've interviewed him. He's great. He's a uh, very chill. Uh, he's exactly what you think he is, which is, which is cool. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Sounds awesome. Miles, they, uh, they need you to do some work for them. All right. And, uh, this time they're looking to, uh, tap into your horror roots okay. and they, they, they want to go a little schlocky with this. They want like quickie things. They want to do like three in a year type thing. All right. So someone can binge uh, a franchise. They want to rip off the Hills of eyes. All right. But they need it to be, okay. you know, but like almost like, uh, uh, asylum. In fact, asylums hired you. Uh, Disney Plus found out you worked okay. with Kevin Spacey, and they they kicked you out. So, mm-hmm. Asylums now uh, brought you in for a pitch, and they want to do Hills of Eyes spinoffs, but they need uh, other body parts and other locations. So, so pitch them on some titles. Okay, uh, we got the mountains have ears, where it's uh, yes. like sort of fungusy, sort of you know ears growing out of the mountains, and they attack people. Pass. Keep going. Fair. Uh, this is got... Asylum. We're known for quality, damn it. Okay. We've got uh, the lake has noses, uh, which um, the lake can smell stinky redneck farmers and swallows them up and then spits them out with. You haven't given me a lot to work with here. Um, Don't you know that we mostly sell things uh, at Walmart? We can't be insulting stinky farmers. Pass. Fair. Um <laughs> The skyscraper has rednecks. It's rednecks repelling up a skyscraper to attack the office workers within. Here's $10 million. Thank you. That's all I ask for. <laughs> wow. Damn. That was easy. I mean, a, Asylum's known for their, you know, wise decisions. Listen, my other idea was to, to bring uh, Miles into Netflix where they hear about his work with Kevin Spacey and they want to do the House of Cards spinoff. Where was he? <laughs> See, those of you who haven't been keeping up with this delightful joke that Joey insists on uh, on propagating, I have not worked with Kevin Spacey and have no positive regard for the man. The irony was this began with uh, with you just interviewing him, me pitching you on that, and it evolved. Now now you now you've invented this whole IMDb page of our our collaborations together. Oh, now you're now you're the Chris McQuarrie to his Tom Cruise. Oh, great! (laughs) Just what I've always wanted. You just get a call like twice a year from him that he needs you to punch up a script. If oh, my God, what I would what I would give to be able to do a decent Kevin Spacey. Hello, Miles. I need you to do some work on this script for me. Vincent Price, is that you? <laughs> yeah, he's doing a Vincent Price biopic. I I, can, uh. I can't really do Spacey. I can kind of do Frank Underwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Underwood is yeah. You gotta you gotta draw, you know but you also miss me. Yeah, I wish I God, I want him to pick up the phone and say that to you. Like, I, I don't. I wish he would stop calling. See, this is the sitcom. You're like uh, sort of begrudgingly drawn into his world repeatedly. Begrudging is a very understated term. Listen, and the Netflix. the the opening title sequence ends with you both of you back to back with your thumbs pointing at each other like, oh, brother, this guy again. Oh, it's a sitcom? Yeah, it's a yeah, sitcom. Well, yeah, we'll do one of the things where in the previous show, you've got the little thing of us in the foreground, and we're just looking at each other like, this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's uh, to, the, to, the theme song, to the theme song of uh, Too Many Cooks. And then you have to have a puppet in there, too. It's like kind of like an elf type thing. Where... Okay. Listen, oh, that's, that's I will do it. I will legitimately do it. 
if rather than playing himself, we get a puppet to play Kevin Spacey. I will 100% like unironically do that project. It's a puppy of a, it's a, it's a puppet, not a puppy. It's a puppet of a chili pepper and he's Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spicy. There you go. And he Using the Frank Underwood the voice. Who would voice, uh, um, uh, oh, you got to get someone good who's not Kevin Spacey. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Listen, I, I will, if anyone out there is listening and thinks that that sounds like anything, I will 1000% do that. <laughs> I mean, I think you have homework for next week, which is you need to have penned a scene for the show. Yeah, clearly. I think this, this is a recurring week, gag. This week on me and Kevin Spicy. Yeah, yeah, I think every week we need to have a. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. I got it. I got it. This is this is turned into something somehow. Um, every week we're going to tell you for the next week the 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 zany scene we need you to pen. So you'll be assigned. Okay. All right. So this week, Kevin Spicy calls you in a huff because he's uh he's finally found out they've re- they've written him out of House of Cards. Or I guess since this is like a vague, you know, spinoff House that we don't want to ever get sued. Yeah, House of Chard. House of Chards. Yeah, same thing. House of Chilies. Whichever one you want. So you have to uh, write a better ending to his series as opposed to getting uh, written out. And he's uh, making unrealistic demands while you're um, also trying to cook a dinner for your girlfriend for your anniversary. So you're, you know, doing two things at once. Every sitcom cliche you can you can go into. Okay, well, WandaVision is pretty good so far, so I've, I've got some inspiration now. It's almost like you knew what the next topic was going to be. <laughs> we need to have a, a laugh track and applause going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're literally the person who does that, so. Yeah, you know. well, let's make it happen. <laughs> we can. Note to Steve, do it. All right, yes, so uh, this will be a recurring gag, assuming anyone enjoys it. So uh, next week, get prepared to give him another scene, and, and Miles... Uh, Shitsterpiece Theater will be, be will be starting next week. But in the meantime, WandaVision. Uh, question, you guys have seen the first two episodes, yes? Yes. yes. All right, so I should lean away from episode three because I have seen the third episode. Um, but yes, we can talk some WandaVision. Uh, broad strokes, uh, I quite enjoy it. I'm pretty sure Miles does as well. Steve, did you like it? And then Miles, you'll give your thoughts. I enjoy it. Yeah, right. I really do. No, it's nice after because it's been a year and a half since we've last had anything MCU related. So the fact that they're coming back with something that's kind of weird and different, um, but still has some of the familiar sort of hallmarks. I've always liked the idea of giving like shows to the sort of minor supporting characters who like Wanda and Vision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. They're never going to get their own movie. So this is kind of the best way to kind of dig into them and give them something to do. Um, and I don't know. It just it, it works for me on every level. Probably even better because you get to explore them more where the films, even, you know, you get an hour and a half. This is going to be, what, five hours a season alone? Right. Um, what I like about it is one of the things is that you know the fate of the characters. So it's starting off with this kind of, sac, you know, saccharine, sweet 50s, aw shucks. And, but you know it's going to have to lead somewhere dark and they've hinted at that but i think it's going to get much darker and i think if people are patient and, and, and joe actually knows i think it's going to be quite an exciting and, and very interesting take and, and pretty uh, gutsy move on the part of of disney to not just go the same route i'm hopeful also can i say that first episode the scene where um because you know it's all you know it's very 
they really lit into like the I Love Lucy, the I Dream mm-hmm. of Jeannie, the sort of, you know, leave it to Beaver kind of sitcom tropes. But then there's the scene where Fred Melamed is uh, uh, choking and suddenly it's like the best David Lynch scene that he never directed. Oh, yeah, it was mm. great. So true. It's like it becomes so unsettling, but without really changing the cinematography too much. It's like the same elements, but now everything seems darker and edgier. And it's like slightly built up to, I don't know. I love the sort of psychological wackiness of it. And I'm, I can't wait to see where it goes. Do you have an mm-hmm. idea where it goes, Miles? Do you have a guess? Uh, I do, because I'm kind of familiar with the, where these characters end up in the comics. Um, so, I mean, I can get into it. I don't want to accidentally no, no, spoil I, it for anyone. No, you don't have to. I'm just, just curious. I, if you I, I, have a, I have a vague idea of where it's going just based on what we've seen in the first two episodes. Okay. I yeah. do not. I, I, uh, but I could be wrong. We, I mean, we could talk about that in a minute. Like, spoiler alert for 30-year-old comics or whatever the case may be. Um, but, yeah, no, I've, I've seen the third episode. It... Uh, I would say it's still what you think. Um, it, if you haven't gathered by now, yes, every episode appears to be a different sitcom. So they are, they are in a different world at that point. Still a, very much a sitcom vibe. And uh, the, the ending, as with the first two episodes, sort of is your vague snap back to reality of like, oh, something is going on here. So it's the, the vibe you're noticing is the vibe throughout so far. So if there is a... Uh, mid-season like change in how it's going it's still to come but uh the i'm trying to think of i I just want to make sure i don't accidentally mention a season an episode three thing episode two has the the helicopter right yeah okay so the helicopter um beekeeper the, the beekeeper okay so you're you're starting to see uh sword like pop up right i guess essentially right. yeah so you're there's your next hint and uh the um character where we're we know is because of the credits monica rambo right right yeah so we're we're still sort of figuring out where all that comes into play episode three moves a little more in that direction but still is you know a zany sitcom i i i'm very eager to see where it goes because i i'm pretty sure i looked up where uh what it's based on um but yeah miles you can talk a little bit about like because if you remember the uh the history of the mcu they they do sort of take storylines and do them a little differently like you know the they 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 sort of piecemeal demon in a bottle a little bit for iron man 2 Um, right they 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 take certain arcs and like they pick and choose the elements that they like or they tweak them a little bit to fit into sort of the continuity that they've already established so it's it'll probably draw on because there's two major comic arcs that the show is taking from um, and I don't know the names of them off the top of my head, but basically one was a kind of similar thing with Scarlet Witch and Vision being a romantic couple. And then there's another one that was leaning a bit more into the sitcom things, but it was Vision starting his own little Vision family and had Vision kids and stuff like that. And both end in tragedy and disaster. So uh, I think, yeah, we're headed somewhere pretty dark. And I think the sitcom aspects are there potentially to kind of cushion the blow of like just how dark it potentially gets. I mean, yeah. I, I I have my theories for sure, but um, you're welcome to to dip, throw a theory out. We can we can make fun of you if you're wrong in six weeks. Okay, well uh, here is the big one. Um, I think because what we do already know, just from the other movies that have already been announced, uh, we know that this sort of forms a spiritual trilogy with um, Spider-Man three and with Doctor Strange two because yeah. all three, or well, 
at least as far as we know with we know from Doctor Strange because the title Multiverse of Madness and we can extrapolate for Spider-Man 3 because they're bringing back characters from uh, the first two continuities. So we're dealing with multiverse type stuff. And Scarlet Witch's powers, they've never been super well-defined in the MCU. It's a whole lot of levitating stuff, and she can kind of do stuff with people's minds, but they don't really get into that after Age of Ultron. And she does have a very good ability to remove an accent. Yeah, no, the accent's, like, gone at this point. Yeah. I read an interview with Elizabeth Olsen where she said the accent will come back, but, like, I'm fine if it doesn't. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, the only time it comes back is when she says her brother's name. Right, exactly. Well, it's kind of like Daniel Craig and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, where he's just straight up British, unless he's saying like what some of the Swedish names. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the big theory I have is that this is all going to sort of well, because the easiest cue is that um, Vision is super dead. We saw yes. him get super dead in Infinity War, not in a oh we'll be able to snap him back kind of way, like super dead. So my theory is that the version of Vision that we're seeing in the show may either be her projecting him into reality somehow or sort of a figment of her imagination, essentially. There's some talk. There's the guy on the radio in episode two saying, like, Wanda, who's doing this to you? I think the twist is going to be Wanda's doing this herself, that she's created this sort of fictional idealized sitcom fantasy world for the love story that she and vision never got to have in real life. And that as sword and whatever other organization attempts to sort of, cause they think they're maybe rescuing her sort of get her out of it. She's going to resist. And basically I think this is all going to end with, I don't, I don't want to go as far as to say that she'll be like the next big bad, but I think it will end with her, kind of being a bit more of a villain going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if she was one of the major antagonists in Doctor Strange 2, because we know she's going to be in that. I think they're going to take this character who's been relatively sympathetic and kind of, you know, because that's kind of what happens in the comics. I don't know if anyone's familiar with House of M, but she basically, like, reshapes the reality of the universe. And, you know, in that continuity, she's uh, Magneto's daughter. And so she creates this world where he's, like, running everything and... There's several different arcs in the comics where her powers get sort of kind of in a similar way to like the Jean Grey Phoenix stuff where sort of her powers get sort of way out of hand and it creates this awful reality that everyone else has to deal with. So based on what we've got so far, that's where I would speculate it's going. Yeah. But it seems to me, my guess was that she's so Vision's dead, like you said, but maybe this is like the last piece of his existence, his essence, you know? He, uh, right. And his aura, whatever you want to call it. And so she is somehow found a way to get into this television universe. And, and I don't, I don't know the comics at all. So, and then she's pretty much trying to outrun and hide throughout these different scenarios while giving them a life together to avoid having to say goodbye, which maybe what you just said, I kind of didn't listen because I don't want to. (laughs) I don't. Want, I, I don't like spoilers. Uh, I, I the uh, the some the 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 uh, number three on the podcast and uh, producer and editor of the podcast did not listen. No, no, I didn't listen purposely because I don't because he has knowledge, and I don't want to go in. I, I want to go in as blank as I can. I'm going to be watching it anyways. I, I like blank slate. Uh, you know, approach to 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 film and and TV. So. Um, but so I don't know if I, I just repeated what you had said, but if I did, well, I, 
I think that's pretty good on my part. And maybe I should be doing elevator pitches. Um, <laughs> but do you, does that sound, is that something in the realm of, of where this might be going? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think the biggest question mark for me um, that could potentially throw my theories completely out the window or reinforce them is the presence of the Catherine Hahn character. Um, mm. I think it's Agnes. Um, there's speculation as to what comic character she represents, um, who's kind of a, got some supernatural aspects to her as well. So there's the possibility that Wanda is sort of creating this world for herself, but there's also the possibility that um, Agnes or, you know, someone affiliated with Agnes, like she doesn't seem to be quite, she seems a bit pushier than everyone else in this mm -hmm. sort of sitcom world. And obviously she's playing the nosy neighbor sort of um, uh, character type, but she might, I, I suspect she's going to be the big element where she knows more than she's letting on. So going forward, are we going to see a lot of the same characters or is it going to be, uh, you know, the same people playing different characters in different types of sitcoms and I think it'll genres? be it'll be a weird thing where they are the same characters, but we're moving up like a decade or however much we're moving to a new sitcom style with each episode. So it'll be the same characters, but those characters kind of reconfigured into okay. this new. So like now we're the, that 70s show version of these characters. Now we're the modern family version of these characters, that kind of thing. There's Dottie who uh, is Emma Caulfield from Buffy, who I'm a big fan of. And I'm just hoping to see her again. Otherwise, I don't I don't care that much. Who does? Are you a Buffy fan? Not so much, but um, I do love me some Fred Melamed, so I hope he comes back. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, one we, person uh, has all the answers, but he won't we, tell. Yeah, me. Yeah, me. Um, we, uh, we interviewed him years ago, Miles and I. Yeah. No, I interviewed him for uh, Serious Man back when uh, he had some Oscar buzz for that. Oh, that's awesome. And then I think... Uh, then I think I... Yeah, and then I did it for um, In a World, I believe. That would have made sense, Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a very nice man. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently, though, uh, he did a recent like interview with someone, and he said that uh, you know when I do an interview, my boy, I like to answer my own questions. So he just kind of monologued the whole time, and I kind of wish he'd done that. Like that would have been phenomenal. Maybe he's gotten more confident as he's gone along. That is possible. He's got such a great voice. Oh, right. Really, you can just listen to him, no matter what character. Mm hmm. I'm gonna borrow it someday. His uh -oh. voice. His voice. <laughs> Just your voice. Give me the voice. Right. Are you going to create like an Ursula Little Mermaid kind of pact with him? That's what Steve I was working on. Steve the Sea Witch. Steve the Sea Witch. <laughs> Coming soon. To... That's why we don't do a video version of this. You'd see my tentacles. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> Only his wife sees his tentacles. <laughs> it always goes that, somewhere. And on that unexpected. note. On that note. I think we've, we've come to the end. So, uh. Remember, everyone, next week, by the time we record, we need to know what uh, what episode two of, uh, did we have a title for the show was going to be? Uh, me and Kevin Spicy. Yeah, yeah, me and Kevin Spicy. Spicing it up. Spicing it up, that's not bad. Um, spice for miles. <laughs> miles Something like that. Miles of Spice. Miles of Spice, there we go. The Adventures of Miles and Spice. We'll figure it out. Submit your title suggestions as well. Um, but yes, we need sugar and yeah. spice. You know, there's sugar yeah, and spice. I'd love to hear what the listeners think of this. And if they've got some suggestions, I'd love to hear it. 
Yes. Um, so make sure you submit uh, episode two ideas, title ideas, and uh, guest star ideas, because uh, we may do dramatic readings, and, and who knows, like Christopher Walken could show up. Yeah, this would be wow, a, that'd be amazing. Separate podcast, yeah. yeah. Miles, is your it's nickname off- Sugar? Miles what? Sugar Hughes? <laughs> sugar. Because <laughs> sugar be and spice. Part. Sugar and spice. Yeah, that's not bad. That'd be fantastic. Pitch, pitch, pitch it to your girlfriend, Miles, and see what she says. Miles Sugar Hughes in Sugar and Spice. In fact, start insisting that people refer to you by your middle name. My middle name, Sugar. Gotcha. Yes. I mean, I, I for for uh, for a while, I used to sign family birthday cards as Diamond Joe, like from The Simpsons, as if I was Diamond Joe Quimby, just to see what would happen. <laughs> I did put it in parentheses, at least. That's something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe we're, we're, this is funny. This is, we're, we're designing our future Patreon, aren't we? Just dramatic readings of this fake television show. I can't wait. I, I need feel to like Andy Samberg, is, Andy Samberg is going to show up eventually, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, that madcap actor. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in our show, he's going to be a um, lunch meet Andy Spamberg. Andy Spamberg. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> so these are all food-based uh, puppets. I like it. I guess they are now. I mean, that screwed up so, my Christopher Walken Because I'm Walken imagining joke. Kevin Spicy as being like a literal like red pepper, but with Kevin yeah, Spicy's yeah. face and like puppet form on it. Exactly. Big hands. Big hands. Yeah. Andy, Andy Spamberg. All, with the fingers always like twirling and, you know, flittering. Yeah, and he, uh, so, uh, so Kevin Spicy, you know, lives in Hollywood. Um, so he's got a whole bunch of celebrity neighbors who pop in from time to time, you know, um, uh, what the fuck is... Uh, Seinfeld style. What's his face? You know the guy Seinfeld? comes to it. Yeah, no, but he's his neighbor. Oh, Kramer. Yeah, yeah. There we go, Kramer style. Um, speaking of timely references, so like you know, Christopher Walken is next door. So uh, Christopher Porkin, you know, it's just a big thing of pork. Sure. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get more, but yeah. So uh, here's our there's our there's our brilliant idea for the day. So. This would be a great uh, great thing for people to tweet to us. Tweet yes. some uh, some characters. Here's some listener yes. listener engagement. Give us send us all your pitches for um, uh, sugar and spice. <laughs> yeah, sugar and spice. Um, oh, I love it. Genres. We're in. All right, cool. So in the meantime, uh, let us know where they can follow you and uh, pitch me a character. Give me another character for the show. So Miles, you go first. Oh goddamn. Uh, All right. Well, uh, I'm Miles. You can find me on Twitter at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Uh, Please direct all your sugar and spice propositions there. I would love to read them. Um, If I see some good ones, I'll probably read them out on the show next week. Um, You can also find me on Instagram at Marvelous Miles, although as usual, I never check it. Uh, And please check out my short film, American Exorcist. It's on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. And your uh, character you're submitting oh, to yeah, uh, character. to the um, world, uh, Bruce Cowbell. Okay, and he's just a cowbell. Hmm. And who is he? Uh, an amalgamation of? Well, he's Bruce Campbell, but he's a cowbell. Okay, there you go. There you go. I mean, I would have, I would have, I would have gone Bruce Campbell soup, and just had a mechanic Campbell uh, soup. That would have been good, but I like cowbell better. Ah, uh, well, readers, let us know who you prefer. We'll set, a poll, poll we'll set a poll up. Yeah. The poll that no one will vote in. Fantastic. Steve? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FilmSnork. And my character, let's go with Jim Cherry. With uh, Jim Carrey. Oh, that's good. 
It's a very uh, animated Cherry that walks around. Yes, with a big smile and funny face. A rubber-faced Cherry, you know, for all the laughs. The most elastic Cherry you've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. All right. And you can uh, you can follow me, Joey Maggotson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Letterboxd, all that good stuff. And uh, in the neighborhood is a uh, is a filmmaker who consistently complains that he's surrounded by idiots. And it's uh, Martin Scalpini. Okay. Sure. It's just an Italian dinner with big eyebrows. <laughs> Listen, imagine if we did drugs. In Can a world. Imagine. <laughs> it might get better. Who knows? The Awards right. Radar Podcast. Now with 30% less awards talk than you would have expected. <laughs> Listen, it's it's January 17th. That means it's like November. And uh, we are in a holding pattern. Uh, this time next week, we'll, we'll be talking about the impending uh, NBR predictions, or I guess results, depending on when we do it. Uh, and again, next week, uh, more Judas and the Black Messiah talk, because... Uh, barring any sense of you know where he should be spending his time keith will be back so i can't wait Yay. for keith to contribute to this i was gonna say will he take part will you have a script for him i mean i'm sure he will i don't know I if mean, he's allowed might, to he's, i don't he's know if he'll be able to we gotta act. copyright this real we gotta copyright yeah, before, this real quick before he starts to take it yeah, yeah. he's like oh <laughs> next year you find out on fox <laughs> from the creators of lucas brothers moving company sugar and spice I'll be like, God damn it. And it's on Comedy Central, so I'm not going to watch it. There you go. <laughs> All right. More next week. Take care, everyone. Good day. Bye.